You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Going to me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody, how's it going this week? Welcome, and David Hall. Yo, yo, yo. And Greg Hector. What up, everybody? Well, on the show this week, we'll check out an informative message from the iRacing development team. An iRacing influ- influencer asks if esports is killing sim racing. We'll check out a video showing how to make iRacing better, and it's less than a week before the iRacing Daytona 500 begins. So let's go. And, and you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So let's see you there. start off with this big development update and uh it was a a post in the forums with just a whole basically almost a state of the sim address right and i'll kick off talking about this first paragraph we're not going to read it to you but if you want to go read it word for word it is available in our show notes at iracerslounge.com and uh basically the the, he starts off talking about their main focus has been focusing on increasing the size of their team they've hired a lot of talent on the program art side creative talent production staff and even managers um they've talked about how they picked up particularly uh, several of the new hires from a group called slightly mad studios which was a former studio that worked on the uh, project cars and um they spoke very respectful of that of that community in in that studio um, and so that's been their focus is hiring a lot of new talent and then mike the next thing that they talked about quite a bit was the dirt oval race i'll let brian talk about the dirt oval stuff yeah so it's a uh, it's been well known that they that um the real dirt enthusiasts have, have been complaining that the dirt oval racing needs a, a, a refresh update on the tire model which uh which a lot of them been talking about well they're they're, they're, they're gonna, definitely going to be taking making improvements to the dirt composition and the surface of the tracks um with all the different uh, moisture uh, variables all those things are, are being worked on um they're really excited with the, with this release that's coming out it's and they, they even mentioned that it possibly could be out in the next build but more likely um probably in season three i guess which starts in june so uh so look looking forward to uh a lot a big uh, oval racing update coming up soon yeah that's good to hear and the other thing about david said well, you know bringing in talent from project cars and other sims is fresh ideas you know let's uh, a new guy you know he might have a different perspective i love that idea let's get some fresh ideas in um especially on the beta ui um the next one is they're essentially doing the same thing they're doing for dirt oval for pavement oval as well there's a dedicated team that's taking a fresh look but we're not as far as along as we are with the dirt oval stuff um 
we certainly have a goal to release improvements this year for oval pavement racing. Additionally, we think some of the improvements we're making for dirt oval racing will translate to dirt road racing, and we hope to get to that as well. All right. Well, that makes sense because if they're working with the uh, the surface of the dirt and the and the changes in it, um, that would probably work work with the dirt road as well. So, I really hope they can get some some of the dynamic track back into the oval. Uh, that's one of the things that they had to pull out with this tire model. I believe at least that's what everybody says. All right. And then on the road side, we did just actually have a recent release where they completely reworked the tire model as they came out. Uh, that tires definitely don't last as long on the road racing side, but as far as what's their next goal on rain on road racing, it's definitely the rain. Um, it's their massive project and they are, they really like how it's all coming together and they do say that the plan is to release it this year but he he absolutely can't he says he can't promise it or he'll get yelled at um and he hoped they would have already released it but they still have some work to do on it and they're making sure that they do it right you know this this is a sim it's not a video game so um you know we we uh definitely will complain when we see things that need work on, but it's always good to know that they're taking their time on making sure some, a big overhaul like this gets done. Right. And the next part he goes over is the tires. Um, major project uh, over 2022 in regards to tires was developing a new, the neat, finite element model FEM, he calls it, which is specific to uh, specific vehicle racing tires. The intention of this separate model was to build a tool to accurately simulate the behavior of tires under different operating conditions, especially to analyze loads, force movements occurring in the contact patch. With this tool available, we should be able to extend and improve iRacing's current tire model to respond more accurately to these loads, forces, and moments. This is a, and, and right after that, um, we have on the script if, if, uh, if you guys want to check it out. Um, it's a, a picture of um, a diagram of the tire patch and the different color variables on it, um, re representing different temperatures. Um, it's it's really neat to see something uh, this broken down and how much detail they're they're putting into these tire models. It's really interesting how they do that. It is, uh, you know, when you break it down, they're they're simulating down to the molecule <laughs> level, you know, uh, with different compounds of atoms and things. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Well, next up was uh, the big one, the list of upcoming tracks. Now, I'll call out the list, and you guys tell me how how much you recognize these names. Uh, we got projects including Aharve. Aragon, Jerez, Misano, Pekekohe, and Ledinon. Did I, get sorry, those, I butchered those or what? <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't recognize any of them. They did Jerez also mention, rings the bell. Yeah, they did also mention that they want to rescan Spa. Yeah, that's true. And uh, also Zandvoort was scanned last week, and it will be going straight into our production process. Uh, also, locally, the U.S. team is on their way to California to capture data on a dirt oval and a paved short oval. And our collaborative pr projects with NASCAR continue to expand and evolve as we're working on additional track-related R&D projects and updates. 
um, it's, it says that they're being going to be in California for a short oval. Uh, does that, is that the uh, Auto Club redo, or is that something different, or both? Because they they said they're working with NASCAR for R and D, which we already know that they've they've worked with NASCAR to um, to redesign the California short track. But maybe they're getting they're getting even more involved with it at this point. Well, they wouldn't have to travel to California to capture data on a track that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, and they already have a scan of the area, right? So I don't know. Yeah, it, maybe it's. Uh, part of that process to uh, cool. There is a short track in a the, lot it, of stuff. Yeah, and there is a short track in the area that that um, I think the door bumper clear guys threw out as a possibility as a replacement track while California's being built. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, that Irwindale. That's all. Yeah, that's Irwindale. it. Yeah. That's already in the service, though. Irwindale's already yeah. in there. Maybe it's a rescan. Well, it's always nice to see these kind of updates. Uh, I definitely look forward to seeing the tire model keep getting updated. Um, they won't address the uh, UI, will they? <laughs> they? At least not not really publicly, all the issues that are still out on it. And it's crazy how long rain's taken. And again, I think, I think they're really trying to do the best possible job they can with rain. They don't want to release it early. They don't want to make it um, uh, turn it into a video game. They want to model it as, as close to real as possible. And I think that just takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And, um, and, uh, I, I, my guess is that they're just really working hard on trying to get it right as early as possible, you know, the first time where they're not reworking it over and over again. There is a quote on here about rain. It says, of course, rain creates a tremendous amount of new tire and track surface work or as our engineers call the rain tire work in their technical design document, tires on a film of fluid. Yeah, and you, and you might know from driver's ed days that when the rain first drops, of course, that usually they're usually going to throw a caution, I guess, when rain first drops so everybody can come in and switch to rain tires. Because uh, when the rain first drops, all the oil just comes to the top of the rain and it, it makes it even worse than after it's been raining for a while and the oil has been washed off. Okay, so... The Jerez track, I think they they gave us a, a sneak peek last week of that, and then he mentioned it here as well. And then at the bottom of the, on the same story, guys, you'll see a tweet that iRacing put out of another track uh, teaser. Uh, what do you guys think of that one? What do we got? Is that the one with the uh, Vamos Amigos on the, on the thing? You have me stumped. Somebody I, I, in, I don't uh, know that many road courses. I'm looking at the replies, and somebody said the best course in Canada. I don't know if that's a, a hint or not. There's not a lot of guesses, so I don't know what the track this is, actually. Well, the, that next tweet hits hints more towards a Latin American track, doesn't it? Well, it does say the words, vamos, amigos. And what uh, flag is that What's next that to the word? Is that the Spanish flag? Spain? So maybe this is just another picture of Jerez, the same Spanish track. I don't know. That is the Spanish flag. Yeah, so that makes that's, sense. Maybe it's just another picture from Jerez. Yeah, so that's yeah. not technically Latin American. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I mean, the uniqueness of that uh, building right over top of the, the straightaway, I mean, there's nothing that's going to be mistaken for that, if, if you know what you're yeah. looking at, I guess. 
Yeah, kind of looks like a round flying saucer building, literally above the track. Yeah, you don't you don't see that too many places. So, I, I probably why you're not getting a lot of people guess because it's probably obvious if you know that. So let's let's talk about the overall. You said it was a uh, state of the sim, is what you called it. Hey, that's a good title idea, state of the sim. Um, but why? I mean, as as we've been detailing over the last several weeks, guys, there's a lot of pressure coming in on other sims. You got the motorsports game stuff with their, all their exclusive, exclusivity crap, uh, taking away our Indy 500, our 24-hour our, our Le Mans. Um, you got this new game, Ren Sport, that hasn't even been released, but there's all this money behind it. Um, you know, there are obviously threats of some kind to iRacing, and and so the timing of his speech is uh, is appropriate. I, you know, it, we haven't heard from upper management and racing in quite some time. It's probably been like a year. Well, then this is one of the things that competition brings, right? Is innovation, so you don't get stagnant and just sit on your laurels. I like it because it'll it, it puts the pressure on them to perform. You know. Well, that's a good wrap on all that topic. Let's move on to the next thing, and what we have is. It looks like a 75 years worth of of uh, paints schemes, right? All in the next gen car. So it's um, right. it's a retreat for trading paints of Paul Newton, and he plans on releasing all of the oh the it's not going to be the whole set, set, but the past cup champions paint schemes in that gen form. That's still pretty neat. So every year of NASCAR, the champions paint scheme. He did on next gen. That's what you're saying. Okay. You know, one thing that that jumps out at me when I kind of look at the the reoccurring or the same uh, paint schemes in the picture, I mean, you can really see the 48, how it's dominant. You can see the 24, how it was dominant. You can see the three car, how it's dominant. And then even early on, you can see that 43 everywhere as well. It's pretty neat to see how the multi-champions uh, stack up. I mean, it, visually, it's pretty cool how it stands out. Yeah, it's oh, a really on trading cool paints, idea. You can run them. Yeah, a cool idea. Um, celebrating the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. Uh, so there'll be 75 new paint schemes out there. So you could just kind of borrow one of those on the uh, at Darlington. Yeah, for the flashback, that idea. Now this next one is interesting uh, because I always want to see Verstappen on the uh, on the i racing bandwagon, but it looks like he has joined forces with EA Sports. Yeah, and it's this- part of the Ford deal, I think. I was in, um, here's what it says: the Red Bull Racing driver has announced a deal with Ford as the engine uh, supplier for 2026, and it will become a part of EA's marketing henceforth across all of the California video game giant sports titles. So you think they wrote him a big deck is what happened, right? To get him to be a title, you know, title name for the, you know, Formula One 2021 or whatever they call it. Yeah, it's 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 a Tiger Woods deal for golf, you know, Tiger Woods golf. It's going to be Max Verstappen uh, Formula One next game. That'd be my guess. Um, and since EA Sports pretty much has the has the, uh, the Formula One cars pretty much on lockdown, um, you know, wh- wh- who else would you get, really? Now, I, 
I don't have it on the script, but I did read somewhere recently for the Formula One game has some kind of cheat problem. They have a cheat code problem right now, big time. So you think, uh, you know, Max would have had enough of that with the motorsports games nonsense, but I, I don't know if it means that he would have to, he can't play other sims because he's, you know, he's been eye racing quite a bit. Um, I, I, I doubt it. And, and, you know, he was in the, um, in the, the race at uh, Le Mans that went terribly. So he's in other other sims. It's just a matter of whether this would be an exclusivity thing where he has to stay on EA Sports. I, I would doubt it, but we'll, we'll see. Well, EA has a, has a tendency to take, to do the uh, the uh, exclusivity stuff too. So I hope they, they don't do that like they did in the past, which which actually went made uh, NASCAR games go downhill for quite a while. All right. Yeah, if you're if you're a um, sim racer like Max is, and let's just let's just assume that iRacing is his go-to sim, but EA Sports comes to you and says, "Hey, I'm going to give you all this money. You're going to be the name of the franchise. You're going to be the face of the franchise, and uh, you just can't race iRacing anymore." Do you, do you take that deal? Well, those guys are are doing it with Rensport. Actually, no, they're not. Rensport's not exclusive. Yeah, they they were clear about that. You know, I don't know if Max would. I mean, he's got enough money to burn, so it's not about the money anymore. I wouldn't think so. I mean, if if I, if I was, you know, had Max Verstappen money, and uh, is it really is it worth it to take some extra just to and and to, to forsake something to really like? Um, I don't know if I would do that. I don't think I would. I mean, he's committed. I mean, remember last week we talked about he built a sim on his private jet. You know, so, you know, you got to raise something. All right. This next one is kind of an unfortunate uh, situation, and it's an update with iRacing and Russia. It's a letter from Greg. It's basically because of the sanctions, the international sanctions with the war in Ukraine. They can't, they're having difficulties doing business with Russia, and they basically can't take payments from there anymore. Uh so they had already suspended taking new direct customers from Russia, and now they're going to have to basically start to minimize their mem- memberships with, with any other direct re- active reg- Russian customers. And they're urging them not to renew their membership or purchase any cars or tracks at this point. Um, uh, they note on March 7th that direct c- Russian customers are not going to be able to use any payment type to make purchases on iRating, on iRacing. Um, they do note that Russian customers can still purchase through Steam because Steam is managing that. Now, the, whether they whether they they won't know or not whether Steam is going to run into the same issues or not, but right now they say you can they that Russian customers can renew through Steam. That's yeah, unfortunate. You think you know iRacing is a global product? I don't think there's anybody anywhere who isn't allowed to use it until like this point. I mean. Um, the other thing that kind of surprises me is no matter what, uh, there's no payment method that they can figure out. I mean, there's got to be a way to send money, but you'd think that what's happening is probably is iRacing has a bank. They have one bank, and that bank is the one totally blocking. doesn't matter what kind of payment uh, type it is. We're not going to take it because it's from where it originates from, right? Yeah, and once sanctions are are federally kicked in, businesses can't violate those, or they they can they can face some real legal issues. 
Yeah, they're 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 basically turning Russia into Cuba, which is unfortunate for any Russian I race racers. Um, you know, again, I had a a very good business dealing with the guy from St. Petersburg on the A logs uh, sequential shifter. What a, a a piece of art it is. I mean, it's a great piece of equipment. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I think you can buy them from distributors, though. Um, so I still recommend it. All right, I got a question for you guys next. That's that's posted in this video. Are esports killing sim racing? And this guy has five major points that he says are are effects. Well, I'll answer the question you'd present before we go over his five reasons. My answer is, I don't think it's killing it, but it's not really helping. I think it's uh, maybe, you know, it's an embarrassment. Like what happened with the, the motorsports games, uh, virtual Le Mans event in January is an embarrassment for sim racing. Um, what happened with Williams Esports during the Daytona 24 is an embarrassment for uh, sim racing, you know? And so, you know, I think, I think it hurts us, but I don't think it kills us. Well, well, the, the embarrassing thing about that, Mike, was that most sports games has the exclusivity rights to Le Mans, so there's no other place to race it. So if that if that software is not up to task, there's nowhere else you can run a Le Mans 24 race. And, uh, and that's where it kind of sucks. And that's actually part of his uh, point number five, where he says the licensing, licensing is getting worse and not better. Um, in the video, he talks about how, you know, in the earlier days of sim racing, you were just basically getting reproductions of cars that, that were similar to a, a, a name brand vehicle, uh, but not exactly the same because of the, the cars didn't license out their information. And then that slowly went away. And with, with uh, we see it in iRacing, you know, that's when they started getting all the name brand cars and, and their model totally flipped to where they were begging cars to get come into their service to the point where they, cars companies were dying to get into it. So, um, but that's actually has reversed again now that this the sim and esports has gotten so popular to where they're actually starting to lose licensing again as they want exclusivity contracts with companies. And that's where uh, that's point number five that he was talking about. Now, I'll digress a little bit on that point. I think it a lot of that boils down to sanctioning body IndyCar and a track called Laba making horrible business decisions. I mean, if they didn't make a bad business decision, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, all five of these points are on the money, but killing is definitely hyperbole. Uh, harming is the more appropriate word, I think. Yeah, number four on the list was big money, big companies trolling everything. You know, kind of like I mentioned before, this Rin Sport, big money behind it. You know, you got a half million dollar euro prize for this esports thing that starts next week. That for software that hasn't even even been released to the public. So, um, yeah, I you know Sean Cole from the the Sim Pit. You know, he basically says, you know, the, all this money being in, injected into sim racing right now is, and and then those people controlling everything. Uh, isn't good for us. All right. Well, that's uh, definitely a good question. Was, 
Go ahead. Yeah, let's hit the other ones. Uh, three was the focus on esports instead of sim racing. Uh, I think what he's talking about here was the fact that only uh, the invited are racing these events. Uh, it's not open to the public, uh, much like a, an iRacing Daytona 24. Uh, the second one was live embarrassment. Using big stars like Max when it goes wrong, sim racing looks bad with a lot of people watching us. And that's kind of what I started off with. Yeah, and that, and that was something that when I was watching this video, I, I was kind of interested in um, when, you know, when NASCAR was on their hiatus because of COVID, they basically were forcing their drivers to run the sim uh, for when they had that pro invitational. And um, you could tell some guys weren't taking it serious. And, and when they weren't, it did not, look well on the sim world because it's not really what we want to be not how we want to race we want to race like it is serious and that there are uh, real world consequences you know even though it's a sim but when you start when you don't take it that way and it's shown using real life big stars then um it, it just magnifies um the uh look of of uh, of how it went bad um he, he showed a video of Max when he was disparaging uh, after Le Mans. He showed a video of Bubba Wallace when he said, uh, you know, he why he doesn't take iRacing serious when he got wrecked out of one of the pro invitational races. And and he's right when those guys um, who who have, are popular and, and have followings start disparaging the sim, then uh, it, it looks bad to people who who might not understand it to begin with. And the number one was the win at all costs mentality where gentleman racing is out the window. When there's big money involved or prestige or sponsorships, uh, I mean, William Esport at the Daytona 24 top split is a perfect example. Uh, bend the rules, break the rules, don't care, we're going to win. Well, you know, yeah, and this if you think about I mean, the old days this, of NASCAR. This... <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. I was just going to this really, to me, this really just applies to the very top, top level of guys who are fighting for real big money. You know, it, again, it's it's not it's not a pretty picture, but um, I don't think it affects the the, the average iRacer or sim racer in general. All right, that's a good wrap on that topic, Brian. We just wrapped up dirt and previewed last week the Porsche Super Cup, and we have round one in the bank. Yes. So. Uh, First uh, weekend of the new Porsche Tag Heuer, uh, Tag Heuer uh, Super Cup Series. Uh, first win of the year goes to a Coana driver, Zach Gamble. He kicked off the chase uh, with the with the win in the feature race from Hockenheim. So uh, uh, he passed uh, Las Lassie Bach on lap four and led the remainder of the race uh, to take his uh, the first win of the season. Um, yes, uh, Charlie Collins finished second. Um, uh, defending champion Diego Pinto finished sixth. Um, and uh, Sebastian Job, who who you would think is off to his typical bad start, unfortunately for him, he finished P20. So uh, he's got already dug himself an early hole uh, if he wants to win his first uh, championship that uh, he's he's been trying to get. Um, so good first race of the season, um, and then uh, before that was the um, All Star race that they had, and that was a lot of fun. I watched. 
I watched that actually on Dave Cam's video because Dave Cam's one of the drivers this year. Um, I watched, I just watched the race from his perspective on his YouTube channel and, and it was awesome. I loved watching him do that race. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of Dave and watched a lot of his videos. So when I'm watching him in the race, it's almost like you're, you're spotting a, you know, watching a buddy do that. And it was, uh, it was really cool to see him doing that. And, uh, he had some, uh, on air time and it was cool because you can hear the, um, the administrators, uh, talk to Dave as he's driving saying, Hey Dave, uh, we're going to, bring up in the booth in a second. He's like, and just make sure it was all right with him. He's like, yeah. And then he does his interview. You hear it from his perspective, not the, uh, not the broadcast perspective. And, uh, it was awesome. Um, and, uh, the winner of the first round, that was a two, two, uh, person race. And, uh, I think he finished eighth in the first one and 10th in the second, um, Casey Kerwin won the first one. I forgot who won the second cause they were invert the field. Kerwin started at the back and wound up driving up the four. So he was just crazy fast in that all-star race. Tony Kanan was headed up there. Uh, some other, uh, YouTubers like, um, uh, uh, Daniel, um, I forgot. But um, yeah, just just great, great racing all all around. I really enjoyed the All Star race. I was watching part of that while I was at work, but um, I thought it was interesting that they were interviewing the drivers during the race, uh, during the All Star race. Like they were literally interview Dave as he's taking you know a corner, and they're under green flag conditions. Pretty cool. All right, so I discovered yesterday coming in that there was another patch released, patch four. Uh, one of the highlights on this one, when I when I took a glance, is that uh, they've added an option for leagues now, where you can make certain weeks after a certain time, and not drop weeks. So let's say you got a twelve week season, but you don't want the last two races to be droppable, you can add that, and it'll only go into effect if obviously if there's got to be at least one drop week to begin with. Uh, they also fixed a lot of issues with the brake rotors on Om. I don't know, like 50 cars. No, 20. Um, they changed the rub block shapes on the NASCAR next-gen cars. I wonder if that is the um, the collision mesh is what they're talking about there. What Do you, do you guys know? Something to do with that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they fixed some texture mapping as well on the next-gen Mustang and also fixed the decal issue on the on the, the Ford F-150 uh, nose. Uh, they adjusted uh, the starting grid positions at the Coliseum. They changed the short parade lap position so that the rear of the field could have time to get rolling with a green flag at Long Beach. And they also did some work on Wild West. So I was excited for this build for one you didn't mention, which was the beta UI now allows viewing standings by car and class, it says. So I was excited. I ran, ran into the beta UI immediately. I wanted to see, how did I do in the winter NIS, which just wrapped up? And so I go and I find the winter NIS series and I open it in the beta UI. And up at the top, there's little tabs. And one of them is standings. I'm like, okay, I figure I can figure this out. So I hit standings. And what do I get? A big message that says, failed to fetch, failed to fetch. Didn't even work, didn't even work. But we're gonna get rid of the website in two weeks. Now, later I try it again, it did work. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm in division two. And it says I'm 38th or something. 
So it does have a thing where you can filter to division two. And then I see my name, I'm like 12th down the list, but I don't, it doesn't say 12th, it still says 38. So I have to count from the top, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, to figure out that I'm actually 12th in my divisional point. That's how good the beta UI is. So you're, you're saying you love that update. <laughs> they fixed it is what I'm saying. They fixed the stats, right? Oh. All right. Um, this next one's pretty funny as well. Uh, I saw this pop up in the chat and somebody said they thought they were going to, going to write a wreck him or something for this, but we have our title for this is funny. It's called the stolen 500 car, but basically Brendan hyped hipster. Um, or Hipstar, he tweeted his Daytona 500 protest car, and it says, I'm just running for for the exposure. MSGM stole my Indy car. This 500 is fake. Um, one, I like all of that except for the bottom part because, no, the Daytona 500 is not fake. So that's the part that will probably get him wrecked a lot, but it, it's still a funny package. The tweet says, quote, I'll be running the iRacing Daytona 500, but only because the other 500-mile race was stolen. Yeah, and it on the back, it actually says this package is trash. It's a little tongue-in-cheek paint job. Uh, poke at MS uh, Motorsports Games. I hope IndyCar is happy with themselves with what, how this played out. All right. Have- you know, they got some bad press, but, I mean, did it hurt them? Probably not. So I don't remember if we've talked about this one or not, but here's an update on screen to speed, which is a ladies only racing series. And they have just five days left to make it through the qualifying rounds. So yeah, we call, we talked about this. Okay. I, I couldn't remember exactly, but yeah, this is good to know. They got something like this going. Get in while you can. I bet you there's not a lot of people there and there's some great prizes. Yeah, really. This this had really good prizes. I think it was backed by Pennzoil, right? And um, and and yeah, they really threw some money at this series. So if you have any uh, any ladies out there who uh, who uh, still, still have some time to get this uh, qualifying set up through, now if you jump on the beta UI and go to Time Attack, you'll see it right at the top middle, and uh, you can click on that and get all the details. I'll take this next one. Um, we just finished up the winter league. Uh, what a great league it's been over the winter series. Uh, winter, uh, Josh Campbell and Alan Pajari and all those guys over at Dynamic uh, Motorsports, they put on a great league. Um, as the league wrapped, uh, Dave Fuge Jr., one of the drivers, and a few others that are in the league as well, are all part of the same team and they run this league called Spartan Sim Racing League. And uh, I told him we would talk about his new league on the uh, show tonight. He's running a NASCAR schedule, open setups, a car, 50% fuel and distance on Mondays starting February 27th. It'll be a 21 regular season uh, schedule and they'll have three races to decide the champion. They got a Discord. They got a website. Uh, it does cost to enter the league uh, $10 per race that you compete in. That pool does get paid back on individual race payout. Um, this is a very well-organized league. When you go to their website, 
they actually have a written rules of the league, like all the specifics, uh, every rule you could think of in racing is listed there. It looks like a NASCAR rule book. So they've, they've got a lot of work and thought put into this and, uh, it looks like it might be a good uh, setup. So check it out. Yeah. They got some, uh, they got 21 regular season races and they threw in some curveballs there. They have, uh, take, um, uh, bull ring, uh, uh, an IRP, so uh, some oh, yeah. also some tracks that are not, not necessarily the normal tracks you would see either. So then that doesn't actually follow the NASCAR series so much. No, I thought it initially did, but you're right. It's called Spartan. Check them out. Yeah, it's uh, open setups too. So if you're you got good setups, it might be something to consider. All right, that gets us on, on into the events section. The first one is Bathurst 12 is coming up this weekend. It's going to be the, at this point, we all know the uh, the usual start times. This is a D4.0 GT3 only uh, race at Mount Panorama. And they have put out the balance of power information. And at on this, they are taking away from the BMW 2.5% power, 1% fuel. Uh, the the 4i GT3 Evos losing also 1.5 power and 2% fuel. Uh, McLaren's getting hit for 2% power and 3% fuel. The Mercedes is losing 1% fuel. And the Porsche 911 is losing 2% fuel. So there you go. Now pick your cars and run. So I. It's it's a fascinating, you know, how they decide to do the BOP. And and it seems to me like they took a majority of the cars down in power. Wouldn't it be easier just to take the three that they didn't touch and move them up in power instead? Um, that's not really realistic because what do you do to add power in, no, in the real cars? Good. They're at, their, yeah, they're at their max power that the engine's built for unless they're being restricted in some way, right? So... Um, if they're 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 probably pulling that power, I think in the sports cars they do it electronically. They just they just when they BOP them, they they literally just change the fuel injection controls to cut some of the power out. Um, but if you're so if you're already running optimal, the only option is to take some of it out. So are we anybody running this? Nah, I was I tried to get linked up with with the Mad Seam team teams, but they were already pretty well formed up uh, nobody on on over here seemed interested in running either so um it's this weekend and it's almost too late to practice for it now because that track requires some practice next up brian we have uh, the 2023 iRacing grand prix tour yeah so uh it's back for 2023 it's uh iRacing is going to be hosting the iRacing grand prix tour it's a uh, 23 full event lengths, full length events um, using the Mercedes AMG W13. So that's the newer of these um, Formula One cars uh, with uh, they have fixed and open setups, time slots, uh, licensed D4.0 and up. There's a three minute practice, eight minute long qualifier, and then the um, races uh, length is depending on the track you go to. Um, but uh, the series does require the use of multiple compounds. 
They'll be, they'll be running on Thursdays uh, are fixed races. Fridays are open, Saturdays are fixed, and Sundays are open. And uh, they have different time slots based on the different uh, geographies around the world, really. Sydney, Germany, the Eastern and Pacific uh, time slots. Uh, so check out that schedule. Um, and then they basically just follow the – they don't follow – they follow the dates – of the real world F1 series, not the tracks. Cause obviously we don't have all the tracks, but, um, but they, they do them on the same basic dates that they run them. So they're going to start in February 28th. They follow, yeah. They follow uh, some yeah, of like, them, Brian, not all of them. Yes. Yeah, some, some, like, uh, like the first week is at Bahrain in real, in real world. Um, that's not available. So they're running Nürburgring GP. Um, but, but when they can, yeah, you're right. They are, um, doing um trying to trying to do the same same ones and like red bull ring in june is the same um there's hungary uh the hunger ring is the same spa is the same zandervoort zandvoort uh Monza. so they they try to follow as best as they can based on their availability of tracks so uh really cool if you want to be you know in an f1 uh, nis style uh series for f1 and we do have on the script with the schedule that's listed there, it basically shows you uh, what the real world schedule is compared to the iRacing schedule. So you can basically, uh, this is a good way to see what F1 tracks iRacing doesn't have yet. And I like how uh, when they don't have one, they, they put in one that's appropriate. Like, for example, in real world, they go into Miami. So instead they go to Sebring, which happens to be in Florida, you know. Yeah, when they go to Monaco, they go to Long Beach, which is, you know, two street courses, street basically. Course, right. Yeah. And for the Vegas race in real world, they'll do Detroit Bell Isle. Pretty cool. Um, I The only thing I would was kind of hoping on this or would think that would be cool is why not include both of the Formula One cars? Why just the new one? I mean, why force people to buy the new one? If you have the old one, why can't they participate? Let them. Is it slower? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is maybe they're not as equal as you would think. But other than that, I don't see why they wouldn't. There's no um, – you're, you're still not going to be able to do any kind of modification in the paints that's going to really differentiate it anyway. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Guys, I checked the stats. We are growing like crazy uh, coming into 2023. So I appreciate everyone getting the word out there. Uh, second note, I think we're looking to add somebody to Team Tafosi to iRacers Lounge podcast. So if you are that guy that you think you might fit in well, contact me. Uh, if you're one of those guys, you're probably already on our Discord channel where we talk all things iRacing. Get out there and join the fun. And, of course, our script is at iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and iRockTV on Roku TV. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory. 
and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time for the Metro Ford hardware software segment. We're going to kick it off talking about the Gran Turismo pre-orders. And that is that the Fanatec Gran Turismo DD Pro is now available for pre-order. Um, it uh, looks like this that's the CSL DD base, right? Yeah. With a, with a CSL or with a kind of a GT style wheel. And um, the kind of lower level load sale pedals. Nice little bundle. Um, they haven't uh, had stock in a while, so it comes with the um, the upgraded power supply. So it's uh, got the eight ne- uh, newton meter uh, power supply, um, and it looks like it comes with a clamp. So um, so the so you can clamp it on a desk. It seems to me it's you know based on GT, so it might be based more for a console type system, but um, these do work on computers too. All right, the link we have yeah. is actually to a forum post, so I, I don't see the price point on it. Yeah, they've been out of stock on direct drive wheels for quite some time, I believe, at Fanatec. And so this is their first batch. Uh, they're back. So if you want Fanatec, um, I think there's other stuff um, that was out of stock that's back in stock too, as well. I'm done with Fanatec, by the way. He's out. He's out of Fanatec. Yeah, they're still working for me. Me I'm too. with this next company, I like the new- SemiCube. Well, tell us about it then, Mike. Yeah, this is the neatest video they put out on the social media showing off their new active pedal. Remember the $6,000 ones? Well, it shows uh, the anti-lock braking uh, with Daniel Morad at the wheel. And when he goes really fast at Sebring and then he slams the pedal on or the brake. And then you, you can see the the brake pedal given uh, feedback against his foot, like it's kind of pulsating, you know, as he's going into the uh, active uh, braking system and it pulsates and kind of pushes his foot up a little bit. And it's kind of neat. It's like feedback on pedal. Yeah. And that's kind of what a, what a real pedal does, except it pushes further out generally when it happens, instead of just vibrating in the same place. Um, Pretty neat, but I question how hard those pedals are actually to push or if he's just got it on a real light setting to be able to run with socks. Because I know with my SimCube or SimCoach's pedals, uh, you're not running those in socks. I normally run socks myself. Um, but yeah, each his own. Next up, Brian, we've got a report from a listener. Yeah, this comes from a listener, Dan, Darren F., um, and he hit us up on Discord to uh, let us know that he has a solution for the heel issue on the Acetec pedals and sells them on eBay. So if you remember, the Acetec pedals had those, that gap where your heel was, and uh, a lot of people were complaining that it was uh, causing a lot of discomfort, wasn't comfortable to put your foot there, and it was hurting. And uh, he's come up with uh, what he calls the Acetec heel gap remover remover um so and yeah so it's i think it's, it's charging uh, 9.99 pounds so it must be uh in uk there and uh simple fix but effective you know sometimes sometimes the easiest fix are pretty simple and uh you can take care of it with Aaron f on his ebay store 
Yeah, it's just a piece of plastic. It snaps right in, uh, fills the gap perfectly, and it's like it's not even there. So help a brother out. Go hook, hook get those. If you have those pedals, you're going to need this piece. All right. Our frequent contributor, Boosted Media, has reviewed the VRS Direct 4 press uh, pedals, the Direct Force Pro ones, and he has great things to say. Uh, Brian, you might check the script on that. That's a funny typo. If you want to see it. I wasn't a typo. Oh, okay. Well, um, I hope it's. Well, well, Will was excited, wasn't he? I mean, it does say great thongs to say. Yeah, but do we really want to see Will in a thong? That's the question. Ooh. Well, first of all, I digress a little bit. Will has redone his his studio. It's like an oversized garage now, and he put up some neon lighting and he's got a car in the background he's got a sim rig in the background he's got some lighting and stuff and looking pretty good so well done will i'll just say it looks pretty good um i couldn't believe how how gung-ho he was for these non-hydraulic pedals i mean he was like these are the best out of everything it's basically what he was saying and the title of his video literally says these pedals are fantastic when I watched his conclusion, yeah, he he was definitely gushing for sure. I, I think he did say that the only things that, you know, it doesn't quite compare to like a really good set of hydraulics. He said, but it's the next best thing, and and um, and if you factor in the price, maybe maybe it's a it's a fact. Um, I did look these up. I think with the three pedal set, it's about nine hundred dollars. So um, it's not cheap. Uh, it's a little, it's a little shy of uh, a good set of hydraulics. So uh, he he compared them to Heiskenveld Ultimates, Heiskenveld Sprint. Um, a lot of good adjustability, um, and and I think like you said, the value for what you get, he he feels like that's really good. You know, price for what you're getting. And he did mention I didn't the, expect that. The brake, the brake travel. He said he was really impressed with the brake travel. Uh, so, yeah. All right. If you are a Casey Kerwin fan, you can now get uh, some of his gloves. Danny Moorhead posted a tweet, and we've got several different patterns that you can get that has some added logos and a little ex- and numbers for a little extra touch of personalization. Custom gloves. He he made up for Casey is what it looks like with his number and name. Uh, pretty cool. And you know it's got the X set logo. I think is not the team, um, but I think it shows that Daniel can you know do custom whatever you guys want. You know um, if you if you have a custom order, special colors. I don't think I'm keen on a full size glove, especially one that comes down over your wrist like this for sim racing. I actually use uh, weight lifting gloves that are basically have the fingers cut out and um, they work great. Uh, I, I, I'm going to wear them until they just totally fall apart. They're pretty much shredding already. Uh, but when it's time to get new ones, yeah, I'll be back to Walmart and buy the $8, you know, weight, weight lifting gloves that are fingerless. What is nice because you get a little bit more feel for the buttons and stuff, the fingerless gloves. And I'm always fooling with my phone while I'm in the car. You know, I'm touching my iPhone and looking at it. And, yeah, it doesn't work with gloves on, right? Yeah, you don't get Hershey bar on your gloves when you're, when you're eating That's your Hershey. Right. <laughs> I got my, my chocolate uh, I have to get to. And... 
All right, Brian, we have a new Pimax crystal that has been released recently. Yeah, I, I, um, it's just, I, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's still in pre-order because um, I could not find it. But um, it's the Pimax Crystal. It's going to be priced at uh, $15.99. Um, it's $100 off for Pimaxian, whatever that means. I imagine it's like some kind of Pimax uh, club or something. Um, so um, you get uh, – it's it's real. – I'm really trying to find um, a hands-on review of it, and I could not find one yet. Usually I go to uh, – my go-to for this stuff is MRTV, Mixed Reality TV YouTube channel. And he did have a – he did have like a half-hour video with uh, some of the developers, and they were talking about it quite a bit. It's got some really interesting features. Um, uh, the thing that uh, that stood out to me was that um, – they're going away a little bit from the super extra wide of uh, FOV that Pimax had been famous for. Uh, you know, if you remember, if you've seen the Pimax headsets before, they were super wide, gave you an extra wide um, field of view. Um, they're actually going away from that a little bit in order to um, try to fine tune the screens by uh, condensing them a little bit. Uh, and not not and giving up a little bit of FOV for a little bit better quality uh, screen and uh, and less of the um, distortion on the edges that that seem to be the problem with those extra wide FOVs. So um, so at fifteen ninety nine, you know, it's getting close to the price of uh, one of the Vero arrows. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's something something to check out when uh, when they're coming. Now, I just now remembered, I forgot to mention this last week, but one of the sim racers that I was talking to when I was waiting in line for the uh, to, to hop on that BMW sim that was set up was that he actually had to get rid of his Pimax because he just couldn't get it comfortable. He just couldn't stand the extra weight on the front and actually went back to an HP Reverb instead simply because of the comfort so that I, that was one of the first thing i noticed is that it just doesn't look as wide so that may actually help on the comfort side a little bit as well uh the other thing david i was noticing the band that goes over the head is front to back uh isn't your goggles left or right um are you talking about what holds it on your head the part that lays across the top of your head, yeah. Uh, you have both. You have you have a band. Yeah, you have a vertical band and a, and a horizontal band. And my vertical band is just it's in uh, is actually broken because of the little plastic piece that holds it clipped. So mine mostly stays on because I put it on over my headphones. I mean, this one goes front to back across your head. That just see, that just seems odd to me. I, no, there's there's a wrap around the side too. See where the headphones are attached? Yes, yeah, it goes around back to oh i see okay yeah you really have to have both both directions to to hold it stable or it would just fall off so one of the, I was, the weird so one of the interesting things about this is it's got replaceable lenses so it's the first i've seen that where you can just pop out a lens and change it and uh you can you can get prescriptions for it as well so um some neat some neat um additions to that that unit there i really really Looking in, really interested to see in a review when it finally comes out. That's the thing. If I was doing VR, I'd probably go big. I'd probably get like this or what, or the other, you know, the the Varho Arrow, Varho Arrow, or, or whatever 
that is. Oh, arrow. That's so hard to say. Yeah. When I spoke to the guy about, about the field of view, he was like, I loved having that field of view. And I was like, you know, but then he admitted that after literally a week or so of going back to the reverb, he kind of stopped noticing it because you really, I mean, I've run fixed foliator rendering as well, even on the Varho. So I'm never turning my eyes. I'm always just turning my head. If I turn my head to look down an apex. Right. When you're, when you're doing the mechanics of the race, you're not like needing all that, you know, the bells and whistles of it. Plus uh, the JRT real time, the, the, graphical spotter it just eliminates the need to look beside you when you're doing oval racing you can see it with that arrow what they're doing all right we've got a mic a video on ini file tweaks this is right up my alley this guy did a video on youtube where he goes through the app ini in the iRacing folder and in, in my documents and if you might or might not know there's a lot of settings in there that you can tweak um, that uh, some of them are not even available in the regular UI uh, of the sim. Um, and so, like, for example, if you want to set up a dual monitor system to race on, you have to do it in the app INI. And this gentleman shows you how to do that. Uh, he goes through all of the ones that are pretty much tweakable, describes what they do to an extent, and, and what he uh, recommends. So, uh, a great watch. Um, I think I've probably picked up some new things out of it. Another nice thing, I'm, I'm going to go watch it, but he has every item marked as a chapter. So you can kind of preview what he's talking about each time instead of watching the whole video if you see something that you want to try. Right. Yeah, below the video on the YouTube page, yeah, like you said, bookmarks for every single one. So you can just go and look down the list. Oh, I want to check that one out. And you click to it and he shows it. So it, it's a really neat resource as far as that goes. Oh, yeah, he has it in the in, as well as in the description. I actually noticed it up in the in the playback progress bar. He has it divided into chapters up there as well. So that's a very good resource. If, so, we had a, if we had a permanent links, this one would be a good one to go to, into a, like a permanent links folder. You know, uh, David Tucker replied to the forum thread that the, this guy posted in and clarified some of these things and stuff. And and we he started talking about what I call the uh, aeroscope view is what I've called it in the past, where I run quite different than everybody else. Uh, these settings that he has between the 11 minute mark and the 13 minute mark, um, which is driver head wobble, driver rotate head, driver head no pitch, and driver head horizon. Uh, between those four settings, uh, you can really change how the sim behaves. Um, this guy on the video, he gives a great visual representation of what it looks like when you adjust them to what I call the gyro view, where you basically put them at 100% opposite of what the default is and run it and, and just try it. Now, David did point out that these settings are actually in the sim UI now. Uh, when you go into options, you'll see those sliders and you can adjust them without having to do it in the app I and I. All right, Brian, we're looking at a motion rig next. And just based on it, uh the earliest part of the Instagram post, it's going to be a high dollar one. I haven't found a price yet, but it does have the four directions of motion and uh, yaw as well. 
Yeah, this is um, called the Simvosi Pro. It's a professional racing simulator by uh, Turn 2 Racing. And uh, I did find a price for it. $49,175. So you got that sitting around and waiting to jump into a race for the first time. There you go. Um, but it is uh, fully included with everything turnkey, basically ready to go. Computer included, seats, monitors, everything ready to go. Steering wheel, uh, wheel and it's all good products. They have um, you know, the Semi Cube Pro 2. Um, you can pick your wheels, you can pick your shifters, what, you can pick different pedals, but it's basically a, 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 a six degree, six degree of freedom type of rig. It's, it's unusual where it sits on a big, the, it's 80, 20, uh, aluminum. It sits on a big, uh, wide platform. So, um, the, the platform itself is, uh, doing the yaw. So it's actually doing the clockwise or counterclockwise twisting as you're driving so uh, that's where the yaw is coming from and then it's got the actuators on the back of the uh of the unit to give you some of the uh vertical um up and down motion and and, and twisting motion in that way a really interesting kit um and uh yeah it can be yours for 50 grand <laughs> i love this uh i'll tell you why i mean First of all, the the eighty twenty cockpit is a little bit oversized. Um, it looks like it's kind of overbuilt behind the seat for it looks like seat belt uh, tensioning. Um, but the eighty but the actuators off each corner actually stick out from each side to even give more uh, effect. I guess you would call it. The other thing that stands out to me is the platform that it on it's on that does the yaw is oversized i mean it's really bigger than it needs to be probably but i think that that looks cool and the other part of it is the triples are attached to that bottom flat uh piece not to the 80 20 rig itself and so the monitors are moving with the yaw piece while the the cockpit is going up and down on the actuators it's separate from the monitors um so i think that's kind of unique uh and the way those monitors look mounted, I mean, he's got all these extra supports and stuff. Uh, it looks rock solid. Yeah, and that extra wide base platform, probably more, for one thing, it allows you to step up because otherwise it's quite a leap to get up into the to the chair if it's that high off the ground because of the first platform. That's the thing. It just looks comfortable. You know, it, it's big enough that it's comfortable. Like you said, you could step right up onto it and there's plenty of room. It's running three fifty-inch wide monitors, so I mean they're big monitors, and it takes up a lot of room. But it's pretty cool looking; it really is. So the company is um, Turn Two Racing, but they're also known as Simvosi, S-I-M-V-O-S-I, and they have uh, two two different URLs that basically go to the same server, but. Simvosi.com is the one of them. And when you go to that page, you'll see they do wraparound projection screens, like triple projector with a uh, actual car body uh, with a sim built into the car. Uh, so they do high-end sims. Uh, and I think this is just their newest iteration. Definitely, definitely high dollar. Okay. Well, it's another week and another formula wheel. 
We have the P1 Sim Arnage formula wheel now available. Got an Instagram post showing a picture of it. So it's a nice looking form, Phil. This one is interesting because it's it's connected at the bottom, not at the top. You don't see it that way on all of them. I like the layout of the buttons and the positions of everything. Some specs on it. It does have the four inch LCD. It's uh, some of the. It's got like seven eliminated. Uh, push buttons, two rotary encoders. It's got two 12 position rotaries. Those are really handy when you're changing, uh, say, your engine mapping or traction control. Those are good to map to that. Um, it has two magnetic shifter paddles and two switchless clutch paddles. You, you really always need those if you're going to get a formula wheel, I think. Uh, definitely high-end quality. It does connect with the USB cable. And I don't know why it says it's VR compatible. I don't know what what would be different to make a formula with VR compatible or not. <laughs> I saw that. that. I thought that was funny. Now, I want to point out, this isn't a new wheel. It's been around, but it's available now. That's the key. So it wasn't available before, but it is now. I love talking. We've talked about this one before, but I love it because of the vertical screen. Okay. That's what stand, makes this stand out. Also, like you said, the opening on the wheel is at the top versus the bottom. That's other, that's the other unique thing, but all these Gomez wheels and all these different cube control wheels, all of them with the displays are all vertical four by threes. Well, this one's a horizontal or excuse me, they're, they're, they're horizontal. This one is vertical, and so I think it really makes it unique. The other thing is the price point, 900 euros for a really nice wheel with a monitor, and that's a pretty good price considering uh, it, it, it kind of fits in with those other wheels I just mentioned, Cube Controls, Gomez, and so forth. Yeah, that's it's under $1,000, US dollars. so, I mean, a lot of these uh, really high-end looking formula wheels are going well over a thousand. Yeah, that makes that price seem on the cheap. Yeah, and they have a, a horizontal screen version. Uh, they call it the A Rouge wheel. Um, the one with the vertical screen I like is called the Arnage. And uh, 990 euros for the other one. Uh, and this is a, a company in France called P1 Sim. And it's pronounced Arnage. Arnage. Love it. If I was buying a wheel today, this would be on the short list. I guarantee it. And you get more bang for your buck with that one than you do with the one you got, I think. Right. Yeah, I think so with the display and all. Um... All right. Well, next up, we have a Moza 21 wheelbase review. Mike? We got a couple of them. Uh, Sean from the Sim Pit reviews uh, the Moza Racing R21. Uh, the 21 stands for Newton meters. Uh, that's how strong it is. And that's the neat thing about Moza. Uh, they have the R9 and the 16. And that just, you know, and then this one is their biggest one, the 21. It comes in a black uh, or an orange. I really like the orange, but the black looks good too. Um, Sean had a lot of good stuff to say about it, really. I think the... The drawback is the closed ecosystem. You can't really put a third-party, you know, F1 Arnage wheel on this baby. You have to use a Moza wheel. Now, Moza has some really nice wheels that they sell with these. 
Oh, yeah, the, price I mean, point, uh, yeah. the price point there, Brian, for this one, I mean, it compares with the DD1, the DD2, the uh, SimiCube Sport, the SimiCube Pro. I mean, it's kind of right into uh, in kind of competing with those wheelbases. Right. And that closed ecosystem really can be a big deal because, I mean, you see, we talk about new wheels every week multiple times uh, sometimes and there's just such a large array you can really get the one you exactly want if you have one that's uh if the wheelbase accepts it you know so that is a, a big drawback and nowadays when when there's so much variety yeah um and we saw ace attack with their wheelbase you know they're clearly stating oh we, we'll take on any third-party wheel and so I think they have a leg up over Moza and Sim Magic because of that. The other thing about Moza, you got to remember, is Moza and Sim Magic are both uh, out of Hong Kong, I believe, and so they're definitely China uh, products. But isn't everything? The other video we got on the same wheelbase was from a, a YouTuber called Evil Rabbit, and the first time I've seen his videos, but I subscribe to his channel. Uh, he did more of a first impressions than a review, but uh, he had a lot of good things to say about it. Uh, similar to what uh, Sean, uh, Cole said, though, as far as the uh, closed ecosystem, but as far as how it feels and feedback and, you know, during the race, it's great. I got a link to the uh, wheel itself here to their website at mozaracing.com. $1,100 U.S. dollar. So my wheelbase was roughly 1500. So, and it's 25 Newton meter. This one's 21. So the pricing is right. Well, as we're looking down the script, the next uh, item item we're looking at is is priced at 1800 euros, right? As we're looking at this cubic system, direct drive base that has been, I guess it's I guess it's new to the market. Um, cube, Brian, do you know cubic systems very well? They apparently are known for Morrison platforms. Yeah, that's uh, we're typically uh, been in the market, but um, but now they're diving into the wheelbase system with this QS DD20 direct drive steering steering wheelbase. Um, so it's a 20 newton meter, uh, so it's a pretty strong one. Um, it uses industrial grade components that are used to build their cockpits and motion platforms. It's also equipped with six standard six-hole mounting flange. So like we were talking about before with that closed system that the Moza has, this will accept just about any wheel on the market, which is always a plus. What a neat look to it, too. I mean, it's all metal. It's got red accents. The, the, the mount on the front, it, I mean, it looks like stainless steel and like you said this is the six simple uh hole pattern you know for that any wheel will literally bolt to uh here's the thing on this wheelbase they they say it's it's really been designed to go with their cubic system motion cockpit but they do sell it separately since it's so good um but it does include sockets to uh, connect the cubic systems pedals steering wheel controller and unique shifter that they have that can also be turned into a handbrake. So, um, so yeah, I think before when we looked at cubic, Brian, you just had to buy the whole thing. You had to buy like the whole package, the motion, the whole thing. So now they're kind of selling these parts individually. 
Here's something I find interesting. It notes on their website that it's 20 newton meters of continuous torque. Is there a standard on all the ratings on peak versus continuous torque? Or does that mean the same thing when we go from product to product? Or are some people boasting their peak and other people boasting their their uh, to- total continuous? I'm pretty sure everyone is, uh, when they say their number, they're talking about continuous torque. I'm not sure. It would be neat to hear somebody knows that. If you're out there and you're listening, tell us on Discord. Cubicsystem.com. They're out of Poland. And, uh, you know, this is a really exquisite looking base. Um, first, I've heard that it's available. I like, You know, I want to see a review. You know, let's see a review. And is this really something that we can add to the list that's available for the average sim racer? All right, this one's just a quick announcement on stock availability as well. Huskinveld Sim Pedal Sprints are now available as a black edition in two and three pedal sets. It's the same product, different color, but there's a limited stock only. Wow, that looks nice. It's kind of a black and silver. The pedal faces are still silver, but the other components are all black. Yeah, the the faces and the mount uh, plates are are silver. And then the... uh, uh stem i guess is what you would call it maybe is uh is black yeah and all, a lot of the other internal components they call it the black yeah. edition uh you can also get a a black um powder coated heel plate for it too so you can you can get a heel plate to match didn't they do a limited edition uh red line pedals or something a few weeks ago yeah, I think you're right. Team, team Redline. Redline. Uh, yeah. Well, it's kind of neat to see these manufacturers uh, user coding uh, paint to uh, differentiate their products or to come up with different versions of it and so forth. All right. We'd like to thank Metro Ford again for sponsoring the hardware and software segment. jump into results and let's talk a winter nis friday open phoenix p13 i had a long run and faded down to 20th i was a lap down but finally caught a caution and, and fought for the lucky dog and eventually got it i'll take it uh finished uh, 13th it's been a great season uh there's a bunch of good drivers in this uh in this official series i want to point out uh pretty much raced with the same group of guys every week um rarely see somebody who didn't belong or somebody new in the bunch and and that really gave it a feel like a league even though it's not a league it was an official series but it felt like a league because we would get one to two splits and like i said it'd be the same people I already pointed out how bad the beta UI was as far as looking up the stat. Um, I ended up 35th overall in division, I think uh, overall in 12th in division. Hey Mike, uh, now that you finished up the winner NIS, um, how did it affect your um, IR? Did you you gain IR by the end of it or did you lose? I think I, I was probably at 26, 2700 when I started, and I'm about 21, 2200 now, so I've lost 500 overall. Um, 
probably not worth it. I probably set myself up for maybe third division instead of second for the NIS going forward. Uh, but I don't care. I'm not here to, to race for IR. So I did it and I'm, I'm happy to do it. I got to say that it's got to be one of the toughest series in iRacing. I mean, the 87 car, you know, like, like I said, I'm just baffled at Talladega how I can get out front and that thing just spin out. All right, other racing I ran, I ran the SRF car. Um, it's an open cockpit car. It had Phoenix Road Course. And I realized when I was running it, that road course does not exist anymore at all, except for in iRacing. Uh, the current state of the track, they've completely removed it. It was replaced by garages. Anyway, I jumped in like literally the last minute. Uh, there was no practice before the race at all. Started 15th, I finished 10th. I actually spun off on my own two or three times, but still a good result out of 19 cars, I, I took 10th. Then I jumped into the Toyota uh, TR86 at the Scuba circuit. I qualified 12th out of 18, got to P7 by the end of lap one, ended up in a, a tassel with another guy and fell back to P15, but recovered to finish 10th. BMW Challenge, David. Yeah, uh, Tom had mentioned he'd wanted to run this with, with uh, somebody, and so I was able to link up with him Sunday morning and run it. Uh, I let him kick it off because he had his majors race to get ready for and and had to go run those duels. So he ran the first in, I ran the last two. He skipped qualifying, so started like 22nd. He drove us up to 14th, and then I drove us up to P7. It was an instant free two hours at Daytona. Uh, I saw a lot of other guys just spinning out around us and both of us just did a pretty good job of taking care of the car. Uh, the six in front of us were all like 3,000 I rating. It was pretty tough strength of field, um, but it, it was nice to get a, get a good clean finish there. I'd like to see what you guys could do without, uh, you know, starting in the pits. You know, let's grid the car, let's qualify. Oh, he gridded, he just didn't qualify. Um, so I see. That's, that's not a terrible, I really don't recommend if you're the top class starting in the pits, especially in a sprint race, because you, you then have to drive through all the GTs and or LMP2s when they're bunched up together. And it is so much harder to set up the passes when there's seven of them in a line, because you can get beside one of them or two of them, but you still, you're still gonna be beside a third one and he might just turn into you because he doesn't even know you're coming especially if you started in the pits and he's not getting the blue flag. So it's just not safe, I don't think, or smart to miss the grid in, in, in the top class. Not qualifying, a little bit different. You're at least past all of the guys that uh, are slow cars, and they will be a little bit more spread out when you finally do catch up with them. And then Euro Series P4. Yeah, I, got, I had just enough time to run one last night. Uh, what was it? Tuesday night, I just had some after school practice and then a workout, so didn't have to get home as late. So was able to get into the 840 local, 45 local time one. And again, I was like the last ranked car in the split, but I'm, I'm still in a lot of good finishes and getting high I rating just because I I take care of the car and so many other cars just, I had the same car spin out in front of me twice, come back and pass me and spin out again without me doing a thing to him. So. You know, sometimes you can get good finishes just by taking care of the car. All right, other league and hosted racing. I ran 
Uh, Chris McGuire, old IndyCar at Michigan. Uh, we had to stop for fuel only. And coming out of the pits, man, it was slick when I didn't take tires. And I spun that thing around on pit road at Michigan like two or three times before I got it to go forward. Uh, it is like a butter out there. Then we ran the Riley on a prototype at Charlotte. I started dead last. I got to 18th by the first lap, eventually up to 12th before we all wrecked. Winter League was Phoenix, uh, Phoenix and I uh, finished P7. Had a pretty good run. I was top 10 basically most of the night. I uh, tried to finish, uh, tried to pit under green flag when uh, I spoke on actually getting on pit road and caused the caution to come out. I really felt bad about that because right in the middle of green flag stops and there were only like four or five cars that hadn't stopped yet. I was one of them and then I brought out the caution and yeah, didn't mean to, but uh, yeah, and that set me up to have a, a pretty good finish. Um, Restarted fourth a, with 40 to go. Yeah. That's almost a theme this week. <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, I'm, great I'm, league. Yeah, great league. I hated that I had to miss the finale, but we had a community jazz band that kicked off and we had our, we had another rehearsal. It, well, I was going to miss the, the penultimate week, but we were iced out. They had canceled rehearsal and moved it to this week. But yeah, it is a good league. And um, that's just what I run into with any league. I'm even going to probably have to miss the next round of the majors because it just happens to fall when I have some family obligations. So it's, it's just hard for leagues where you only get one day to run when you when you do some of the other hobbies and, and, and gigs to, to maintain points leads, I guess, or, or any kind of point standings. Yeah, let's talk majors next. The Intimidator 500, Greg P7. Yeah, so David and I were both in this, but we had to go through different uh, different races, I guess, uh, to get in through the, our duels. Um, I finished, I think it was 11th in my duel to qualify in, which kind of a crazy week in general, just trying to get this whole thing uh, done uh, to get into it. But uh, uh, first part of the race, uh, I was near mid-pack most of it, and then once we finally got going where green flag pit stops were happening, um, I was able to break off and get into the front pack with like probably eight or, I think it was eight or nine cars broke away from the rest of the field and we were just faster than the rest of the field. Nobody could catch us. I want to say our big run was probably what, 100 and 140 laps maybe from that. And then we had the late caution at the end. Um, I was running um, I think sixth at the time. I probably could, I was challenging for fifth and fourth. You were higher than that because I was in the pack with six through ten. Well, yeah, and it was it was kind of weird because um, we had a, a separate pack that kind of lost in the last pit stop. Um, Challenger and all them in the race, um, they broke away after the last pit stop from three of us here, and we kind of just got back together. We could just never chase them down. Um, and then obviously the caution came out. Uh, Dave will tell you about that, I'm sure. And it was a shootout, what, with nine or 10 cars in the lead lap. And uh, yeah, it was just nuts. I think the, just I think just eight actually. Yeah, it was just, it, it was crazy. Cause well, I think there was, it was more than that because um, three cars didn't fin finish the cross lines. They went a lap down because of what happened in the last lap accident. So I think it was close to 10, but anyways, it doesn't matter. 
Um, but yeah, they there was a huge wreck. I had been taken out on the back stretch before we got to the front stretch wreck, and it's not the way you want to end a race, but especially after what three hours worth of driving, it sucked. But uh, all in all, it was a good race. There was a lot of side by side racing for a while there, so I, I like the major series for what they do. Yeah, I actually got separated from the the lead lead pack with another guy because I just barely slid through my pits, and that was enough when we were we were having all these green flag pits to to have us just not keep keep up with the lead pack. But we were able to form up and at least keep another line going. On that last pat, we were we were running a, a pack of six to ten, and I had a teammate with me from Mad Sim, uh, who was just one of our sportsman drivers. And and we were riding right behind sixth place and seventh place, or it may have been actually I think it was seventh and eighth because we were ninth and tenth, and so you may have been sixth. I think you're right there. Uh, and with three to go, we decided we're not going to catch or get caught, so let's go ahead and start fighting for those positions. So we make the move, and um, we're doing our move around the outside, and I'm trying to just leave, stay right inside it his bubble would just lean on him a little and I catch a bad bump and spin him and out comes the caution. Um, it ruined his race kind of, he ended up P 20 instead of top 10, but it's, he was, he tried to spin it as it was good points for a sportsman driver anyway, being, getting to be up in the top split. Um, and un- unfortunately slash fortunately it cost MAGA the win as well or MEGA as uh, Cody our teammate actually ended up taking the win there was that big wreck at the end and we as I checked up for it I got spun from another guy who, who kind of went below the double yellow line uh, avoiding it and I left him too much room so he came back and and then I turned I turned back down on him not knowing that that I wasn't completely down on the bottom line but I, I limped back at, at about 100 MPH by all of the cars that were wrecked. And in fact, one of the cars that was wrecked right before the start-finish line pulls across the track. And I, in the process of dodging him, I have to turn, uh, turn down and, and hit Challenger again. And, and but killed him. Would you yeah. killed him? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I was just evasive at that point because somebody pulled down. It's you know, everybody's trying to get back to the checkered. So at that point, I guess, I guess the safe rejoin rules don't apply. Um, but it, that's what caused me to hit Chandler. But I still was able to drive across the line and stole a P fifth. And um, I do feel a little guilty. I definitely did not want to cause that caution. I had a guy in our pack accuse me of causing it on purpose. Um, and I could actually probably protest, protest him for him, but I'm not. No, I didn't wreck my team at all on purpose. Um, I was just trying to, you know, we sat there to get into that position, and I was just trying to make a race of it at the end. It's only a few positions, but at some point, you never know when every point is going to count, right? Was Definitely wasn't expecting to turn my teammate in that process. Um, and it cost you a few positions as well. Um, so I feel a little guilty for it, but I know that I wasn't, really trying to wreck him and was just trying to give us get us a good run as we as we made the run on the outside and just stayed a little too close to his bumper in the corner well certainly proud of all you guys on doing the major series i think you guys are getting repetitions you know this is setting you up for the daytona 500 win and i did forget to mention that i actually won my duel as well that's well, what I, I mean. You're just you're learning how to win, right? <laughs> and as a result, I started P4, and um, 
led the first lap of the Majors 500. I was going to say, um, what it's done is I, I have probably, what, 500 plus laps now already at Daytona to start the season. That's what I'm saying. You guys are got some rep, reps in here, and uh, that's only going to help, I'm sure. The problem is, is NIS is nowhere near what we're going to The NIS Daytona 500 is not close to what the majors was. It can be in some of the upper splits. You can get a lot of long green flag runs and get it get real spread out. So that's what I was when we were doing all those qualifiers. It was missing the the green flag pit stops is what makes people calm down. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that they try to make those a little bit longer, almost as long as the duels, or they just cut limit the tank. Maybe just go ahead. And, well, they can't do that in an open setup. Or can they? Yeah, they can. They can actually limit the tank size, even if the set, even if it's open setup, because in those short races it was just pandemonium. But I do think, even though Donnie said his race didn't run very clean, I think part of what made the the qualifying races so sloppy is you had all your splits and all your I ratings mixed up. We, you know, we were running races with guys with 700, 600 I rating and oval. Um, and all the pre-cues and you just had to stay away from them so i really focused on qualifying better and just staying up at the front because you didn't have to win a q race you just had to get a good collection of top fives and and you would you would make the duels um but what it did provide is a lot of guys had a lot more experience when it came race time and i think that helped contribute to a lot more clean racing at, at the actual main event i do have to say though i am throwing that setup out that was awful. Well, I didn't run the same set you did, so. I, I never want to feel that way on a restrictor play track ever again. I've never felt a car that is that loose. Like, it, it honestly feels like the 80s. It felt like the 87 car all the time going into the corner. Well, let's jump to final thoughts then. Brian McCubbin. Well, uh, so uh, it's a big week coming up. Daytona starts, kicks off the season. Uh, I'm pretty pretty excited to get that underway. Um, trying to plan out my schedule um, because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you want to be able to set a schedule that you can stick with all year round. Um, I, I Sometimes I feel like I get too aggressive early in the season and I just can't keep up the keep up the schedule so i want to just make a make one that i could definitely stick to so uh, that's that's the plan it's definitely going to be sunday night with obrl when they start next week um and then i'm just going to figure out what uh nis seasons i'm going to run um so i'm looking forward to that and it it starts the new season gets me excited for uh, thinking about what upgrades you know what what i might want to upgrade this year um i was looking really hard at the bdh uh bazooka shifter they had just uh, released a new batch recently and uh i was almost pulled the trigger on it the only thing that held me back was i keep hearing in the in the um forums that they're working on one that's uh works with sequential that converts from age pattern to sequential and i just didn't seem I couldn't see spending that much on a on a on the H pattern and have to buy a separate shifter that's sequential. So I'm gonna I, I decided to hold out on that. Hopefully that becomes a product in the future. Um, I'll be looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, uh, and the only other thing I'm thinking about is you know the, the arrow from Varo just really intrigues me. Um, I want to try it so bad, but there's really only one way to do it. So um, we had a had a, a listener 
uh, challenged Dave and I a couple weeks ago to uh, to try it out, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be in the future. Um, yeah, but that's it. It's time to think about upgrades. Um, on my list for 2023 is a, a computer build. Uh, probably late in the year is kind of the plan, and uh, I don't know. I'm still I'm on a 2070 super, and I just feel like uh, I'm entering the last leg of that card uh before it fails and so it's time to start thinking ahead and planning for the future all right uh, david hall final thoughts you were talking about shifters and i did i had that reminded me of another thing i didn't think about i did get to sit in bobby's rig and he has that ssh sh shifter which has both modes and i think up to like seven speeds and it was nice a nice build and was and felt comfortable so if i felt the need to get an h pattern plus sequential again i, I could go that route uh Right now, I'm just the my Fanatec is working in sequential mode, and I just I never run where I need H pattern anymore, so I've just kind of stuck with it. Uh, not a whole lot other than I'm ready to kick off the NIS season, and you know that means we'll be pulling back all the extreme amounts of road racing I've been doing. But it is what it is. Um, looking forward to another year. Maybe I'll get off to a better start this time. I had the impression that shifter was 3D printed, but you say it feels good? Yeah, it does. It's easy to switch the modes, too. It's just, it's kind of a push and twist type action. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, just looking forward to NIS season. I've been waiting for the... I felt I've, I never really liked, over the years, racing the, years, the uh, plate tracks. Um, you get more of your guys' You guys love the the play track more than I've ever have, um, but I feel like the last couple of years it's gotten a lot better. Maybe with this package, this car, I'm not sure. Um, better setups, who knows? But um, I feel like I'm more at home on the track if I need to make moves and stuff. I think I'm still a little too docile to to be a great play racer, at least enough to finish the race. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Daytona the 500 a couple of times next week um, or in the next couple of weeks here and then on to some real racetracks and uh, see what we got this season. Uh, should be interesting. I'm, I look forward to it. And I guess uh, when you guys are talking about equipment there, I think the thing that I want to do this year, I want to add the fourth monitor above my center monitor for uh, you know running some data and telemetry stuff. For the record, I hate plate racing, even though I happen to be good at it. All right. Uh, my final thought, uh, don't forget we're, we're open to a new team member if it's the right fit. That's the key. Uh, we're looking for somebody who wants to race with us uh, in these road courses stuff we talk about all the time, but also the NIS uh, at least once a week, uh, you know, run with us. But somebody who can be on the podcast, uh, we record Thursdays at 645 Eastern for about two hours. And so, um, look, that's kind of the qualifications. If you're interested, hit me up. Uh, my racing this week, um, I was going to run my F2000, um, the Indy Pro F2000, but I don't own the track. And I still like, ah, I don't want to buy this track. Uh, I think it was Silverstone this time. I don't own so instead, I actually broke down last night and bought the IRO4 open wheel car. 
and um, so far I love it. I did some AI racing last night at the ring. Uh, today I ran at um, Sebring, and um, this car feels so much better underneath me than the uh, Indy Pro F2000. It's just more connected to the pavement. I don't know what it is. Um, it's got a little bit more power than the F2000, it feels like. Uh, a bit more speed, uh, a bit more downforce. Um, anyway, I haven't jumped into a race because I don't own the track. There is some track I don't own. I'll wait till next week. I, the AI has been good uh, to me to get used to this car, to kind of get a feel of it, um, which is a little different than last time. I jumped into that Indy Pro F2000 just jumped into races and I was wrecking and giving up IR and this time I'm doing it a little different. I'm not gonna jump into a race until I'm comfortable in the car. So I guess you can call that practice. All right, and with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.